Church, today we're going to be wrapping up our sermon series entitled Emmanuel. It means God with us, and we told you every single day this month, it's whether it be on the mountain, whether it be on the valley, even in the crowded streets or in the empty desert, in our hope and in our waiting, God is with us. We are never alone. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Church, my hope for all of you is over the past several weeks that, that you have seen, that you have seen, and when, when you are hurting, when you are alone, that God is with us in every single moment. He is. He's with us in all those moments. He is with you through your pain. He comforts us in our waiting. He gives us courage when we feel anxious. And today what we're going to be doing is, is looking at the ways that God can be with us, but also how we can be responding to him. In Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to be looking a lot in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What I love about this prophecy that's written here in Isaiah, it's a prophecy about Jesus' birth, and it was written 700 years before it ever happened. And so when you look all through Isaiah, you see the fingerprints, you see the moments of the coming and telling of the coming of Jesus Christ. And isn't it wild how God leaves a print for us? Yesterday uh, on Christmas Day, I was sitting in my dining room and I was looking outside. We have a, a large glass door that looks out into the backfield, pine trees and stuff like that. And I was sitting there and I'm just looking at eye level. And I'm looking out there and looking at the pouring rain. I felt like it was Christmas in Florida. I don't know, I've never been in Christmas, you know, in Florida during Christmas, but that's what it looked like to me. And I'm sitting there looking out there, and I'm just thinking about things, and, and, and then all of a sudden, my eyes kind of looked down on the glass, and, and I looked on this glass, and I saw two greasy fingerprints on the glass. So I figured it was maybe my niece or my grandkids or whatever, and I'm looking at it, my first instinct is like, those dirty kids, you know, I wanted to wash it. And then I started to think, about the days before that when they were at our house and what a cool time it was and, and it was family and, and, and that is kind of like a, almost a memento <laughs> of the presence of those kids in our house. In church, if you really think about it, look at how often God leaves fingerprints for us to see. He leaves his fingerprints all the time. And, and you ever walk around just noticing and recognizing or even seeing God's fingerprints? You don't have to be on vacation in some exotic area to see God's fingerprints. You don't. Maybe it's just on your own property. Maybe it's looking up in the sky at night or early in the morning. You see those amazing, amazing red skies that God has given to you. Maybe it's in your child's face. You look at a child and you can just see the amazing work that, that God is doing in that child. And so church, I want you to know God does leave fingerprints in Isaiah, or Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. He says this, Ah, sovereign Lord, 
You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. I like there in the beginning of Jeremiah, at the very beginning of that verse, there's so much in that verse, but I just like the very beginning when he goes, ah. There's a lot in there, church. Basically, Jeremiah was kind of almost groaning about it. You know, we do that all the time, don't we? Like, you, you pull into the gas station, you look at the price, and you're like, ah, oh, gas went up again, right? You still need the gas. You're still going to get it. It's just kind of, I want to make a statement like, man, that's rough. That's hard. That's frustrating, right? But see, there's a story about the reason that he kind of groaned there with that ah. Uh. And if you read all of Jeremiah chapter 32, it, it, it's kind of the reason behind it is this. Jeremiah just bought a field, and you're like, ah, big deal. So what? He purchased some property. What's, what's, what's the big deal? Well, let me tell you about this property that Jeremiah just purchased. See, God came to him and he said, I want you to purchase this property when someone is going to come to you and try to sell it to you. But see, this property was outside of the walls of Jerusalem. In the city, Jerusalem had been under siege for an entire year by the Babylonians. So basically, he just bought property where the enemy had been occupying for a year. Now think about that for a minute, right? If someone came to you and tried to sell you some property that you had no access to whatsoever, you'd be like, yeah, really, buddy? But if you, if you know this story and you read all of Jeremiah 32, it, it talks about the silver that he paid for this property. And so the dude that sold him to the property went, yeah, all right, sucker. You know what? I'm taking your money. You won't ever see that. But God told Jeremiah to buy this property. And certainly you and I would look at it as, man, that's a poor investment. You wasted that money. And to top it all off, Jeremiah was actually a prisoner in the palace. But see, what Jeremiah was doing here, church, is he was demonstrating his faith in God's promises. He was demonstrating God's faith, his faith in God's promises. And sometimes, church, we, in our life situations, right, we all have situations in life. You know, if we sat there, everybody wants to give their situation, they're all going, oh, I can cop that, right? We all have situations in life, and we have, at times, a hard time believing in God's promises, right? You know, you're going through something, someone's like, yeah, well, God said this. You're like, yeah, well, I'd like to see that. Sometimes in our situations in life, we have a hard time believing God and his promises. And if you go all through his word, you would see it time and time again. It wasn't easy, church, for David. It wasn't easy for David to believe he would be king, even after he was anointed. He struggled with that. You know what? It wasn't easy for Moses to believe that his people would escape Egypt, even after the burning bush when God appeared to him. But they trusted God. They did. They, they trusted God and his promises. And you know what? For you and I, whatever it is that you're going through today, it isn't always easy for us to believe that God will fulfill his impossible. We call them impossible, don't we? His impossible promises. But church, we got to trust him. We do. We have to trust him. Now I want to read that to you one more time. 32, Jeremiah 32, 17. He goes, ah, sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth when by your great power and outstretched arms, nothing's too hard for you. So Jeremiah is reminding himself, like, God, I'm struggling with this, but I know what you said. 
You created all this and your promises will be fulfilled. Church, nothing is too hard for him. Maybe in your life today, maybe it's you lost your job. Church, I wanna remind you, nothing is too hard for him. Maybe, just maybe, you have some rough information has just been given to you about your health. I wanna remind you, nothing is too hard for him. Maybe you're struggling in a relationship right now. I mean, you got a lot going on with that relationship. I wanna remind you, nothing is too hard for him. Maybe you're grieving right now. The loss of a loved one in Christmas is hard. I want you to know nothing is too hard for him because our God is a mighty God. He is, he is a mighty God. He is a wonderful counselor. He is the everlasting father. He is a powerful God, church. That is who he is. And nothing is too hard for him. So today I wanna do, what I wanna do is give you a, a few characteristics that I wanna share with you about our God. The very first one is this. This is one of the characteristics. God is omniscient. That means God knows everything. Seriously, God knows everything. He knows your thoughts. Some of you are in trouble right now for what you're thinking. He knows your thoughts, right, Raul? You're sitting here in church. He knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows your thoughts. And the cool part is this, no matter where you're at in life, no matter what, church, he knows what's going on with it. He knows all those things. Have you ever felt like you're a little omniscient? You know what I'm talking about? You know what somebody's thinking. You're sitting there talking to them. You see the the wheels just turning, right? Unless it's somebody, they're not, they're in home. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't see nothing. But you're looking at them and you're seeing these things and you're going, I know what you're thinking, right? We we believe that we're that way. Uh, One time I was at home and and I was cutting grass at the house we used to live in and we had this, driveway it was a killer driveway it went up a hill and it turned like this and we had this really steep side hill right beside the driveway and I always cut the grass and I'm sitting there cutting the grass and I'm looking I'm like man I'm not getting that push mower out for that today so you know what I did I got down on that tractor and I was riding that thing side saddle I'm talking about I was sticking straight out the side of it to ride it on that hill because I was too lazy to get the push mower out and so I'm riding, I had my, my earbuds in and I'm listening to music and all of a sudden I look up and my wife is standing in the garage, look at me and she's waving her hands at me and her mouth is moving. And you know what, I'm like, I think I'm kind of omniscient. That girl is praising my name right now because I love this family so much. I want our yard to look good. I got a good wife. She recognized I'm working hard for her. I was thinking wrong, that's not what she was doing. She was upset with me. But you know what? She, she gave me that look and she rolled her eyes. And really, I knew what she was thinking. Church, God is omniscient. He knows exactly what you're thinking. Also this, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. God is everywhere. Your, your little brain has a hard time grasping that, right? You're almost like a toddler. Like, you know what? If I'm doing something and my parents can't see me, then that's the way it is. So what do they do? They're doing something and they cover their eyes because if they can't see you, that means you can't see them. And we treat God that way sometimes. We really do. We don't think that he is everywhere, but he is. And what simply amazes me, church, no matter where you're at today, 
God's presence is everywhere. Maybe you're on the mountaintop high right now, and you're saying, yeah, I see him. I hear him. I feel him. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But maybe today you're down in the valley. I mean, you're hurting. You're struggling with life. I want you to know God's there too. He is because God is everywhere. His presence is everywhere no matter where you're at. And his omnipresence blows me away. And guess what, church? He's working for you in it. He is. The third characteristic of God is this. God is omnipotent. He can do anything, church. God is omnipotent. He can do anything. And when you look at his word, if you go through his word, his living word, all through the Bible, there are signs. It's full of signs and, and, and miracles and wonders of what he has done because God can do anything, church. There's nothing that's too hard for him. Nothing at all. I believe that maybe there's someone here today that needs to hear that because you're, you're labeling God like this is impossible. Like there's no way that this can happen. It, it, it's not gonna work out. God can do anything. There's nothing too hard for God. God is almighty, church. He is, he is almighty, God is all powerful, and he can do anything because he is the everlasting father. You know, I read this all the time. I read God's word all the time. And you know what? I read it, I know it, but sometimes I just gotta be honest. There's at times that I don't always see it. Seriously, there's times I don't always see it. You know, I look at this world and it is, it's filled with pain and suffering. And I believe all of you can agree with me right now. The world is filled with pain and suffering. Sometimes people come to me and they're, and they're like looking for answers. They're like, hey, here's what's going on. And, and they're looking for those answers. And I don't always have them. I learned really fast in being the preacher. If you don't know the answer, don't even try to tap dance through it. You look at him, I'm famous for saying, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? Maybe we can figure it out together. We can look it up and we can figure out God's word because I don't know everything. But I tell you what, maybe you have something going on in your life today. Church, seriously, maybe you have something going on in your life and, and you pray and you pray and you pray and, and it still hasn't been fixed. I mean, you pray and you pray and you pray and, and somebody still passes away. I mean, you're praying hard and, and you're like, God, where is your power? Why aren't you doing something? And today you might be thinking, where's God's power in my life? You say, preacher, you're saying he can do everything and anything. Well, how come he isn't doing something for me right now? Maybe you're in a really tough relationship in life and like God where you at maybe you lost somebody and man you're struggling hard Christmas is really really rough for those who have just lost somebody and it makes it worse and maybe you're thinking like God where you at the preacher always says that you know you always comfort me you always be there for me but I'm just not feeling it and today church what I want to do is give you some spiritual truths I do, I want to give you some spiritual truths. And the first spiritual truth I want to give to you today is this. Jesus' power, God's power is at work in you. It is. It's at work in you. Turn with me, if you will, please, to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. It says this. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. What pleases him, church. Sometimes when we become Christians... Man, I see this so much. When we become Christians, we're, we're like thinking, this whole Christian life in, in God is about us, right? It's all about me. Sometimes we believe that. We're like, God, make my life easy. 
God, I want you to make my life easy. Lord, I want you to make my problems go away. I gave my life to you. Make my problems go away. Yeah, Lord, give me the numbers for the lottery tonight. I'll split it with you. We'll go halves. Right? We kind of have that attitude, church. But God's power is not to make your life easy. Listen to me this morning, church. God's power is not to make your life easy, but God's power is at work in you. And the Bible says it's working in you to change you, to change you. You know, God's power is, is working in me to keep me from being selfish. You know, God's power is, is working in me to keep me from being self-centered. God's power is at work in me to help me be more Christ-like, to help me to love more, to show more compassion, to, to you know what, to, to have peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. God's power is at work in me to do those things. Those are the fruits of the Spirit, church, and God's power is real. It's very real. I've seen some changes in people, some of you that are sitting here, I've seen God change you, and it's wild. I'm like, man, I can't even believe who they were. But God's power is also working inside of us, and maybe for you this morning, you don't see God's power right now. Maybe you're really struggling in the air. You don't see his power. Maybe you're, you're thinking like, God gives everybody else their breaks. Everybody but me gets them. You know, somebody else gets the promotion. Somebody else gets the healing. Somebody else gets taken care of. Maybe today you're thinking that God has put you on the shelf and he's forgotten about you. That's not true. That is not true. Maybe you're just thinking, God, where is your power in my life? I really want you to know today, church, God's power is real. It's very, very real, and his power is working in you to change you, to allow you to become more like him. But his power is also working in you. Man, I hear people say all the time in church, you know, situations come up, they're telling me about something that happened with them and their family, or, or maybe something that happened with somebody else in the church family, and like, you know what, preacher? You know what? The old me, here's what I would have did. And then they go into some wild story about fighting, cussing, spitting, all that kind of stuff, right? They're talking about that old me, that old person, who you were. But God's power is working in you. He's changing you, church. The second thing is this. Jesus' power is working for you. God's power is working for you. Isaiah chapter 40, if you'll check this out with me, please. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 29 says this, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Now, I know a lot of you guys have heard that. I, I, I preach that a lot at funeral sermons. Those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength is what the Bible says. And so church, maybe today you're weary, you're tired, you're worn out. It's almost the end of a rough year for you. I think it's been a rough year for a lot of us. And you're just fried. But you know what? The good news is this, God gives strength to the weary. God gives us that strength. But you know what? Some of us aren't taking it. We're just not taking it. 
God's offering you something and you're just not taking it. You know, when I went from the business world to the full-time ministry, it was really tough. It was. It was a lot harder than I actually thought it was going to be. And, and I remember that, you know, we, we, we lived in a different house. It was a house that Mary and I built together. And, and we loved that house. We did. Well, let me tell you what, that, that, that house was paid for with Coke money, Coca-Cola money. <laughs> Coca-Cola money. <laughs> but you know, boy, that's a hard one to recover from. <laughs> it was paid for with business money, okay? And you know what? It was hard for us to continue that because we weren't making that kind of money anymore, and I'm not complaining at all. And I remember we decided we got to sell this house because it's just smart. And so we put that house up for sale, and, and the, the housing market was not like it is today where you list it and it's sold in like a half hour. And I remember six months later, we're sitting there and we're thinking about like, man, we got to sell this house. And I just kept praying, Lord, like, send us somebody. Send us somebody that wants to, to buy this. And, you know, it didn't seem to be working. So then you know what my mind does, like some of yours, it just goes a million miles an hour. And then I start thinking in areas that I shouldn't be thinking. And so my mind began to wonder, like, God, did I hear you right? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? It, did you want me in the ministry? Did you really expect me to do these things? I, I, I need you, Lord. Where's your power? Where's your power? And I'm trying to do the right thing. This house isn't selling. This house payment, house payment every month, it's killing me. But you know what, church? As I look back now, I see his power was at work in me. He was working on me. See, it was changing me. It was changing me to have more faith in my heavenly father. It was changing me to have more trust in his ability, not my own ability, but his ability that I had to trust him. And I'm a lot like some of you guys. We trust too much on our own ability, don't we? We're movers and shakers. We like to make it happen. But you know what? Of course, my house sold. And as I look back now, I see his power was working in me. I was learning to trust him more. I was learning, Mark, it's not always on your time. It's in his time. And his power was working in me and for me. And I want you to see that today, church. I do, I, I want you to see that in your life. I want you to see that for yourself today. One of my, my favorite people in the Bible, one of my heroes in the Bible was Paul, and he wrote most of the New Testament. You know that. If you don't, I just taught you something. But Paul had a weakness, the Bible says. He had some kind of handicap, something that was keeping him down, and he asked God to take it away. He's like, God, I want you to take this away from me. And God responded to him in this way in 2 Corinthians, if you'll look at it with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Starts in verse 7. It says, well, because of these unsurpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I plead with the Lord to take it away from me. I want to stop right there. So he had this weakness, handicap, a thorn in his flesh, as the Bible says. And it says three times he asked God to take it away from him. There's no time frame here. It wasn't like he asked him three days in a row and it still didn't happen. 
It, it doesn't say if he asked him once a week for three weeks. It doesn't say he asked him once a month for three months or once a year for three years. The fact is he asked God to take it away from him. And in verse nine says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. You know what, church? Just recently, I got a really cool Bible. It's got three versions all on the same page. I want to read to you another version. I really like the way it said this in the Bible. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. My power works best in your weakness. Because you know what? You got to rely on me. You got to rely on me. You can't do it on your own. You have to completely rely on me. And some of you here today, you might be in a very weak place. I'm talking about you're struggling hard. You've got this thorn in your flesh, whatever it might be. Maybe you're at the lowest point in your life. I want you to realize something, church. I want you to realize this, that God loves you. He does. He cares about you, and he has a plan for your life. He does. He has a plan for every single one of our lives. And so it doesn't matter how low. He has a plan for your life because his power is real, church. It's very, very real. His power is working in you to change you, to make you more like him. And you know what? His power is working for you when you are weak, church. When you are weak, he will strengthen you. The third characteristic I want to give to you today is this. His power is at work through you. His power is at work through you. Acts chapter 1, if you'll flip over to that with me. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, it says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. And Jesus promised his disciples that they would receive power to witness after they received the Holy Spirit. If you notice that progression there, it was after. They would receive the Holy Spirit, he would give them power, and they would be witnesses of the extraordinary results of what God is doing. But you know what we like to do, church? We like to reverse that order, don't we? We do, we like to reverse that order and, and, and witness by our own power and our own authority. Witnessing is not showing what we can do for God, church. That's not what witnessing is. Witnessing is showing and telling what God has done for us, what God has done in us. That's what witnessing is. And that's what you're called to do. He instructed them to witness to the people everywhere around them. Everywhere around them. But what they were told to do first, even in Luke chapter 24, that he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When. But man, you know what? Some of us, you know what we like to do? When we have to wait on him, we want to get ahead of the show, don't we? How many of you hate to wait? I'm miserable at waiting. I can't stand to wait for anything. Nothing. A minute and 30 seconds for a bag of popcorn, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But you know what? Seriously, don't you hate to wait? When God's telling you to wait on something, you're like, oh, come on, are you serious? No, you want to get ahead of it. 
And then we start to justify, well, you know what, God, if I do this, and, and I know you'll do this, and, and I'll, you want to justify everything. You want to get ahead of it. But sometimes we have to wait on him before things have to happen. But man, you want to get the job done, which means you're going to run ahead of God. But do you realize, church, waiting is sometimes part of God's plan? Your waiting is sometimes part of God's plan. That he's going to show you something in that waiting. He's going to teach you something in that waiting. And so are you waiting, church? Are you listening for God's plans in your life? God might be letting, might, might be letting you work through those hard times. He might not be taking those hard times away from you because he's preparing you for his plan. I want to be honest with you, church. The last three years of my life have been the hardest I've ever been through. I've been through some crazy stuff. I think we all have been just, you talk pandemic, but then you add all the personal stuff on top of it. It's been miserable, to be honest with you. It's been really, really hard for me just the past three years. And there was times, I'm not joking, I didn't think I was going to make it. But God surrounded me with some people who propped me up. Even when I was being a jerk, they still held me up. But you know what? We have to understand that sometimes we need God's timing and power to be truly effective. His timing and his power makes us effective. And so church this morning, if you are a follower of Christ... I want you to understand something. I want you to realize something. If you don't get anything out of this message, I want you to get this for sure. You are a minister. Every single one of you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of him, you are a minister. You know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you are a minister. If you work in the business world, you're a minister. If you're a school teacher, you're a minister. If you're unemployed, guess what? You're a minister. All of us are called to be ministers. You don't have to be a person with fancy words. You don't have to be a person who knows the Bible from the beginning to the end. Church, you are called to be a minister in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says this, And my message and my preaching were very plain. This is Paul talking here. My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Paul's confidence was not in his brains. He was educated, very educated. It was not in his brains. It was not in his speaking ability, but it was in his knowledge that the Holy Spirit was helping him and guiding him. I like to follow Paul's example of just keeping it simple and basic. For sure. I don't know what you think about things when witnessing, but I, I understand just keeping it simple and basic is the best approach when you're talking to someone about our Heavenly Father. But you know what? Church, I don't want you to trust me. I don't. I tell you all the time, don't you dare trust the words I speak up here. You better follow up and make sure I'm telling you the truth. I would never do it on purpose, but I could misspeak. You need to know God's word. Don't take any man's word for it. I don't want you to trust in me, church, but what I want you to do is I want you to trust in the God of whom I speak of. You trust in him. You trust in his word. And church, these things here have helped me so much through difficult times of understanding who he is. Here's what God's done for me. 
Here's what God has done for me, and man, it can help me explain things to people. It has helped me to navigate, church, the death of loved ones. I'm sure that you've experienced that too. Trusting in God, having faith in him can help you navigate through those things. You know what? He, he has seen us all through sicknesses. You might not be healed yet, but you still have faith, and you wait on that day. It's about having faith in God. It's about having, believing in his power. There is no reason, church, why I should even be standing up here speaking to you today. None whatsoever. But it's only by his power and what he has called me to. I'm not anyone special. I'm just an ordinary guy that loves the Lord. I do. I love the Lord. But I'm not perfect. And neither are you. We are all just ordinary people. And so today, church, you might just be able to say the same thing as me. You might be a little bit messed up too. But you know what? Do you realize this? That extraordinary things happen when God's power comes in and works through you. I mean, extraordinary things can happen. The, the power of God works through us. And this church, we really are. We are just a bunch of ordinary people. We got issues. If you're looking for a perfect church, you ain't ever going to find it. If you think you found it, don't go there because you're going to mess it up for them. But you know what? We have problems. We have issues. We have pain. Church, we all have hurts. We all have fears. But you know what? Ordinary people. That's who we are. As Paul says, we got thorns in our flesh. But ordinary people, who we are, we know an extraordinary God, church. We know an extraordinary God. Look at what God did through 12 ordinary men. 12 ordinary men. Look what God did through them. These 12, these guys, they were willing to allow God's power to work through them. I want you to think for just one moment how much we can do as people, as individuals, when we allow God's power to work in us. Do you realize how much you can accomplish? I'm talking about to change you, to change you. You hate change, don't you? Do you realize? I know this for a fact. Church people hate change more than anybody else. I can't believe you moved the pulpit over there. How am I supposed to worship today? You change the color of the carpet. I can't go to church there anymore. We hate change. Sometimes, church, we even hate change when God's doing it inside of us because we become comfortable in our sin. We become comfortable in our struggles. And when God is working, and I mean, he's shaking it up. I hope you've been shaking up, church. When he's shaking you up, man, we don't like it, do we? We don't like that conviction. We don't like that struggle to change. But you know what? When we don't allow God's power to work in us, to work for us, I'm talking about to heal us, to change us, do you realize what you're doing? You are robbing yourself. You are. You are robbing yourself of the life that God created you for. These messed up lives that sometimes we live, that's not what God created you for. And so when you will not let his power to change yourself, you are robbing yourself. So this morning as I called the praise team up here, do you realize, church, with his power, 
how we as individuals can change the world. When you let God change your heart, when you let God renew your mind, I love Romans chapter 12. When you let God do the work that he wants to do in your life, too many of us, we're trying to work in everybody else's life, aren't we? And we're ignoring the fact that we got some issues that need to be taken care of. Maybe this morning, one of the biggest things that you are denying God in your life right now is that you will not submit to him through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm talking about you're holding on tight. Every single Sunday, you come to church, and God's saying, today's the day. It's time for you to change. It's time for you to fall into the life that I've called you to. It has already been bought for. It's been paid for by my son's death on the cross. And here you still sit. He's saying, I've got a better life for you. I've got something that you can't even imagine ahead of you in your life. But it's only going to come to you through that change, church. It's by admitting who you are, that you struggle, that you, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, right? All of us fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Don't you dare sit there and shine your halo. We all fall short. But here's the good news, church, that Jesus paid for all of it. He died a horrible death on the cross so that you and I could have forgiveness of our sins so that we can be washed white, so that we can be cleaned up, so that we can get into the life that he's called us to, church. And so if that is you this morning, you're sitting there and you're going, man, the preacher getting to me every week. <laughs> That's God speaking to you. And he's telling you, today is the day for a change. You don't have to know it all. All you have to know is that you are falling short. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You come up front, we'll pray for you. The elders will be up here. Kim will be, we will be up here to pray for you. We can show you what you are called to do. All you have to do is admit that you are a sinner, ask for forgiveness of those sins. You invite Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and Savior. And you follow him in Christian baptism. Listen to me, church. He's got something for you. I always hear everybody say at the end of the year, right after Christmas, man, it's like we're pre-programmed. I need a change in my life. Because you're thinking of New Year's Eve. <laughs> you don't have to wait till New Year's Eve to have a change in your life. It can be right now. So if that's for you, I want to encourage you to come forward. And all the rest of you people who are saved, those of you that know Jesus, you are called to be a witness. You are called to minister. And that means your job is to go out and to tell people. Maybe you need to be refreshed. Maybe you need to be renewed this morning. You let God do what he says he wants to do in your life. And you won't regret it. It is never too late to come home, church. Never too late to come back to your first love. So how about it? Let's stand together. Let's sing. And I want to encourage you to respond this morning.